Hey guys, welcome back and this is Shruti and I'm here again with another fun episode of Check-in Story podcast. Today we have a flight attendant with us, Erika Bisbochi. She is a backpacker and documents all her travel journeys in her blog erikatravels.com. So let's just talk to her and know her stories. Hi Erika. Hi Shruti. How, How are, are you? you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for being here. So how's Seattle? Oh, it's wonderful. You know, everybody always complains about the rain here, but it's just so beautiful here today. Is it raining there as well? No, um, it's just so beautiful. It's just breezy and sunny. And I live like right on the beach. So I was able to go to the beach for the day. So it's doing it's pretty good for a day off work. That's amazing. In India, back in India, we are missing the sun here because is there any season going on? Yeah, well, we're enjoying the. We get about three weeks of nice weather, or maybe three months of nice weather a year. So this is one of them. So I'm really enjoying it. That's nice. So, Erica, uh, tell me, you have a degree in international studies and a minor in anthropology, but you didn't opt to do a career in that. Instead, opted for a career in travel. So, what inspired you to take up that? Um, so, yeah, uh, I went to the university and I studied international relations, and my focuses in that were anthropology and Arabic. Um, and so, I always thought I wanted to go into like international development work, but. Um, So after college, I moved to Africa, and I um, went there with World Teach and uh, went to teach English and basic computer access in a rural village. And I realized then that um, sort of going back home to a desk job or a nine-to-five really wasn't for me, and I really needed a, a career in, that would allow me to see the world and would allow me to travel Um, to the extent that I, I wanted to. So that's when I uh, began to really look seriously into becoming a flight attendant. Um, my aunt is a flight attendant, so she was sort of nudging me along the way and sort of convinced me to apply. So actually, after moving back from Africa, it was not even a week later. Um, I was flown out for my interview, and then um, I had the job shortly after, and I've been flying ever since. Oh, so that ran in the family. It's good run in the family, yeah. My aunt's been flying for about 30 years. Oh, that's amazing. So how's your experience working with the airline? Um, it's really good. Um, I've had a very positive experience. Um, well, just like any other job, there's really like ups and downs that come with being a flight attendant, as you can imagine. Um, I guess one of the, the main things is everything in the airline industry runs seniority-based, and so... Um, like everything gets better the longer you're there, but I'm very junior, which kind of means that I sort of have to work the trips that nobody else wants to work, um, to places in like all these little towns in, you know, middle America that aren't very glamorous or anything like that. Yeah. So I, I kind of work the trips people don't want to work. I work on the days that people don't want to work. So I'm usually working like weekends and holidays. Um, so, so that sort of, Uh, that's kind of like some of the challenges of the job is it really um, forces you to be patient and flexible and then there's jet lag which is always something I have to deal with but, oh, so uh, how do you deal with jet lag like any uh, tips there <laughs> I'm really bad about dealing with it um, <laughs> a lot better since I started this job in um, tr- like really being able to sleep wherever I am so I've gotten better at sleeping on planes which is a good thing um, and I've gotten a lot better like 
one thing I have to work on is uh, drinking more water because that really helps. Okay. Uh, I think, I mean, I, yeah, it, obviously it still affects me to some extent, but, um, you know, you kind of learn what works for you and everybody has like their own strategies that, you know, help them battle jet lag. And I guess I'm still trying to figure out my strategy. <laughs> That's cool. So travel more and then you will learn how to deal with jet lag. That's cool. So did you ever had like, you know, any sort of weird experience with any of the passengers? Like, you know, we know that many of the people are very much scared of the flights and all. So how do you deal with such kind of emergencies when it's there? I mean, yeah, we have a lot of people that are really scared of flying and a lot of first-time flyers. But honestly, um, I've actually been really lucky with my passengers. I, You know, everybody sort of talks about, you know, their crazy flight story, but I, I haven't really had much out of the ordinary. I mean, uh, usually when there's, like, really bad weather delays or there's, you know, things that go wrong, people sort of get a little bit worked up. And so I've had passengers, you know, like, spit at me because, they were so mad that their flight has been delayed. But oh. for the most part, oh. people have actually been pretty nice. Um, that's sort of like a very out-of-the-ordinary experience, I would say. Oh, that's that's really nice. So which airline do you work for? Um, I work for a major airline in the U.S. called Delta. It's so based in Atlanta, Georgia, but I'm actually... that It's headquartered in Atlanta, but I'm actually based up in Seattle. Oh, that's, that's cool. So how did you get addicted to traveling? I mean, like, where did it all begin? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think it must have begun <laughs> before I could even remember. I've been traveling since I was about six months old. My my parents have always been both addicted to traveling, so they, they would take me on trips abroad, I mean, my whole life, because I have family in Italy, so I would go back and forth every summer. And um, so I would travel a lot with them, and then I think I really became, you know, it really became more of an obsession of mine during college uh, when I went to the Middle East, I studied in Jordan, and I really got the opportunity to travel around a lot of the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, and I just realized how kind of addicted I was to um, stepping out of my comfort zone and going to places that are so different from, uh, you know, the places I grew up in, and so that's sort of like when I really realized how addicted I was, but I think, I guess, I guess I, I've always had like that traveling gene from my parents, you know, they, they're the ones that sort of introduced me to travel at a very young age and made it a really big part of my life growing up. Wow, that's cool. I mean, that means even travel runs in the family. Oh, absolutely. I think there was like a study done a while ago about there being actually like a travel gene that's like passed down through generations. Like there's a <laughs> gene that like uh, certain people are like, I guess, have that gets passed down from their parents. So I think I'm definitely one of those people. That <laughs> So you were one of those lucky people then? I guess so. <laughs> so you were talking about the place that you were born in. So where are you basically from? So I'm from uh, Eugene, which mm-hmm. is a, a small, about 150,000 people. Um, it's a college town in the state of Oregon. I'm in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. So those who are not very familiar with U.S. geography, Oregon is the state just above California mm-hmm. um, and just mm-hmm. south of Washington. So on the Pacific coast. So what's the best part about that place? Oh my gosh, there's so many great things about the from, <laughs> and I think you, I really realized how great it was after moving away, but um, I think my favorite thing is the location. Um, Eugene is about an hour east of the coast, and it's this really beautiful windswept coastline with huge rock monoliths and all these 
awesome hiking opportunities. And it's also like an hour west of the Cascade Mountains, which are these snow-capped mountains that are really good for skiing and snowboarding. And they're covered in national forests, and they have lakes and rivers running you know, through them and stuff. So that's really incredible. And then, you know, an hour east of the mountains is the desert. So you really have all the sort of outdoor landscapes and terrains that you would, you would want. And it's about an hour south, an hour and a half to two hours south of the biggest city in Oregon. So if you need a little bit of city life, you can go up there. Um, so yeah, I think the location is definitely, uh, the thing I love most about the place I'm from, and I really realized that when I moved away, and I realized how much I missed the outdoors. Then it should be on the bucket list of every traveler. You know, Absolutely. at least once you should go to Eugene. Oregon is beautiful. If you go to the U.S., it's definitely one of the top states, I think. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, I read somewhere that um, Eugene is also home to some of the region's best breweries. Uh, yes. So, I our... Um, Our main, I guess, brewery in Eugene is called Nankasi, which is a like a really great brewery. Um, but oh, the whole of Oregon has, you know, some of the best beer in the world. Portland, which is the main city that's about two hours north, has, I think, the most microbreweries per capita of any city in the world. So it's really like a beer heaven. Um, and also, it's really big for wines. So the valley where I'm from has Um, some of the main it's one of the main wine growing regions in the United States so if you like your beer and wine you'll like Oregon <laughs> that's cool so are you a beer person or are you a wine person I prefer beer I think cool cheers to that <laughs> me too <laughs> <laughs> well a trivia for all our listeners out there Eugene is also called the Emerald City and it is the birthplace of Nike well that's a lot of sports there and it has also got many sports arenas yeah and actually that's where they're holding the Olympic track and field trials for the uh, Rio Olympics so all the best best athletes in the United States were just there doing their um, Olympic qualifications last maybe a week or two weeks ago oh that's that's super cool so moving on um, Erica tell me what's your take on the backpacking culture since you've backpacked across so many countries uh, yeah so I mean these days you'll probably see me uh, often going through the airports with my roller bag and um, you know staying in nice hotels for work and stuff but that's not really the way I like to travel when I travel on my own I'm definitely much more of a backpacker, and I definitely prefer to stay in hostels and to take local transport and eat street food. Um, and I really do love the backpacking culture. I love all the people that you meet when you're backpacking. You know, I love talking to all these people that sort of exchange their lives of luxury for having these adventurous lives on the road. Um, so, yeah, while I definitely, I definitely identify with the backpacking scene, I have to say that... Um, Like, I think that the backpacking scene is a little split into, you know, the backpackers that really love partying and clubbing, you know, the ones that go to, like, the full moon parties in Thailand and stuff. And then there's some of the backpackers that like to, you know, chill on a hammock and swap travel stories and have a more laid back time. And I definitely think I'm, like, the second group. You know, I, I like to kind of take my time and chill and hang out with other travelers. Um, so, yeah, that's the way I really love to travel. And I think it's a really good way of, sort of, you know, getting to know other people that are as passionate about travel as I am and about sort of getting to know a little bit about, like, the local culture and getting to have a little bit more intimate experience with the place that I'm that I'm visiting. 
well that's lovely so you are like a calm and relaxed traveler who likes to like know about the places and talk to people and all yeah definitely the more i travel the more i realize that sort of like going to new places and going like going to clubbing and these big parties when i'm on the road isn't really my scene anymore i'd much rather i'd much rather just kind of um sit at a sidewalk cafe and have a beer or relax on the beach or you know go to the museums and um really check out the area then then sort of join the parties well that part has its own fun so that's cool okay so erica how do you uh, manage work and travel like because you know since you're a flight attendant i'm sure you must be on like continuous flights so how do you manage your own personal travels and the work Yeah, so as a flight attendant, I work about half the month. So, in general, I work between I would say 12 and 18 days a month depending on the season. So, as you can imagine, like with the ability to move your trips around, that gives me a lot of time off. Um and so I usually try to swap with fellow flight attendants or bid for a schedule that has a lot of days off in a row and then I'll just pick up and go somewhere. So, for example, in at the end of May I moved my trips around and I was able to go to Indonesia for 3 weeks. Oh. Or um like last month I was able to get about 10 days off to go to Scandinavia for Tibet, um which is the travel blogging conference. So I I'm able to move my trips around and sort of work my schedule in a way that um allows me to travel pretty much uh If not every month I try to go somewhere like every other month. Oh that's cool. By the way even our team was at the Bex the co-founders were at the Bex this time. Oh, I wish I met you guys there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so how was your experience at the Bex? Oh, I thought it was wonderful. I I just loved talking to all these people that um were as, you know, travel obsessed as I was. So that was really fantastic. That's And I think cool. it, you know, gave me a lot of insight into where I sort of want to take my blog from here. That's amazing. So what was the highlight of the event for you? Oh, you know, I thought some of the keynote speakers were so good. I I thought that the um uh there was Spud Hilton's talk on yeah. building better stories mm-hmm. and that really resonated with me because I I feel like there's so many blogs out there and it's and it's so hard to sort of uh create your own unique voice as a blogger and he really sort of highlighted how you know we should all strive to create our own voices and tell our own stories that sort of stand that are you know that make us unique in the industry and so i felt that that was a very inspiring speech that school was part hilton is incredible okay cool so uh, moving on uh, let's talk about your blog um it's amazing so do you have any blogging tips for all our aspiring travel bloggers out there um i think sort of in the vein of what spud hilton was talking about I think that you know there's so many travel blogs out there like tens of th- tens of thousands of blogs and it's so you know hard to kind of create your own voice but I think that that's what all bloggers should inspire to do is sort of um create uh unique and engaging stories that really captivate um readers and really try to draw them into the experiences. Um I know that I as a reader of a lot of travel blogs I'm always looking for uh blogs that give me unique perspectives on places and uh that draw me in with their photography and their and their you know beautiful descriptions of places so I guess if if you want to win me over um as a reader I would uh 
you know, for anyone out there, suggest that you really try to focus on the content and the, the quality of the writing over the quantity. Um, and really make sure that it's authentic and uh, and unique. Well, absolutely. Those were amazing tips. So let's talk about the places that you've been to. Um, you've been to Buenos Aires. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have cool. only one day there, but it was a really great city. So, um, okay, you've been there a day. So would you like to give us three reasons why it should be on the bucket list of every traveler? Yeah, so top three reasons, in my opinion, are... Um, so the city is famous for having... Uh, very unique neighborhoods, like there's the really colorful La Boca neighborhood, um, the sort of uh, colonial San Telmo neighborhood, or sort of the upscale Recoleta. So the the city's unique neighborhoods are really interesting to visit. Um, another thing is the sort of mix between the European and Latin vibe in the city. Um, so you know you'll have you'll walk down these tree lined avenues with. Uh, raw iron balconies, and at the same time, you'll be hearing this Latin tango music. So that's kind of a really unique um, city in that it blends sort of elements of European and Latin uh, culture very beautifully. And then the third, and obviously like the top reason to go to Buenos Aires, is the food. Um, And maybe it's because I had just come from a backpacking trip in Patagonia where I ate nothing but dehydrated food. But once I got to... Buenos Aires, I thought I had just gotten into heaven when I bit into that steak. It's so good. <laughs> so, the, um, so, yeah, the Buenos Aires, uh, Buenos Aires has a pretty incredible food scene. Well, that's great. So let's talk about Namibia and how was your trip there? Oh, my goodness. Well, so that is the country I spent a year in, and it's no surprise that um, it's the country that I, I wanted to talk about because it really is truly special, and mm-hmm. I might be biased um, since I did live there, but it really is an amazing country. Um, so I guess if I want to talk about the top three reasons to visit, the first would be its scenery. It's so diverse. You have the tallest sand dunes in the world. You have the second largest canyon in the world. You have these areas that you'll drive through that have these huge red rock piles. And then you'll drive a bit farther north and you'll see these massive waterfalls along the Angola border. And then you drive east and you go through these very lush and forested areas. So the landscape is incredibly diverse. Um, and then also in Namibia, like just as diverse as the landscape are the ethnic groups that inhabit the country. Mm-hmm. So you have these um, the ethnic group called the Himba, which is one of the, like, the most uh, remote ethnic groups in the world. And um, they're very famous for covering their bodies in this like, thick red clay and covering their hair in red clay and then going around topless. So you have that ethnic group kind of contrasted with, um, you know, the German culture that's very uh, prevalent there, the Herero ethnic group, which wear these really big Victorian dresses and hats with these cow horns that, with, that are shaped like cow horns. So it's a very, um, and then you have the hunter-gatherer populations too, so it's very diverse in terms of population. And then the third uh, reason to visit is the wildlife. I mean, who goes to Africa without dreaming of seeing wildlife? And of the seven countries that I backpacked through in southern Africa, I feel like uh, the Atosha National Park in Namibia really stood out as having some of the most incredible displays of wildlife I'd ever seen. So if, if I haven't convinced you to... (laughs) <laughs> to book a trip to Namibia, I encourage you to go to Google Images and 
check out the sauce display, which are those red sandings I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. And I'd be very surprised if you don't uh, think about booking up a trip there in, <laughs> in the next couple years. Okay, so Namibia it is. Here's another country that we should be adding to our bucket list now. Absolutely. So cool. So um, what was the funniest thing that ever happened to you while traveling? Oh my gosh. Well, as someone who travels a lot, uh-huh. I feel like I have so many fun stories. But um, one story that sort of stands out to me, this was when I was like, I think 11 years old. Oh, and I was traveling oh. with my family in Mexico. This was before, obviously, I had started traveling independently. And everywhere we went, my mom was always trying to get me to speak Spanish with the other kids my age, all the local kids my age. Mm -hmm. And I was really shy about speaking Spanish, so I always sort of just, you know, shied away and got very embarrassed. And um, one day we were at this restaurant, and my mom was trying to get me to speak to the restaurant owner's daughter, who was about my age. And I was embarrassed, and my cheeks were probably a bit flushed, and I just didn't really say anything. And then my dad, he just blurts out in front of everybody at the restaurant, he just says, Es embarazada, which in Italian, embarazada means embarrassed. And in Spanish, it means she's pregnant. Oh. So, <laughs> so I'm like 11 years old, and I'm at this restaurant. I'm already embarrassed about speaking Spanish. And my dad just announces to everybody there that I was pregnant. And so you can imagine how humiliated I was. And I think that that kind of just goes to show how when you travel and you kind of go to places that speak different languages and you kind of have to communicate cross-culturally. There's just so many funny, you know, instances and miscommunications that arise. Um, so I was embarrassed at the moment, but I've always looked back on that and laughed. Oh, well, those people must have had many thoughts about you there. I'm like, <laughs> year old girl. Right? I know, right? <laughs> Everybody's jaw there just dropped and they were like, what? <laughs> So talking about stories, do you have any airports? I'm sure you must be having loads of them. So would you like to share one of them? Any airport story? Yeah. So obviously as a flight attendant, I spent lots of time in airports. I think the record amount of time I spent in one airport was 36 hours when I was trying to get from Portland to Rome and I kept missing my flights because I was flying standby. Mm -hmm. Um, So I spent 36 hours in the Portland airport. But I think the main airport story that... Um, sort of comes to mind when I when I think about airports is uh, from this past November when I went with my friend to this small island in the Pacific called Palau. Okay. And um, so we landed in Palau, we filled out our immigration cards and we go um, through, you know, the immigration control and they and they looked at our cards and they saw that we had left our hotel information blank because we were staying at an Airbnb and we didn't know what to put down exactly. So the guy, he he just looks at it and he says, you know, I don't recognize the names on here. And since I don't recognize the names of the the Airbnb hosts, I'm not going to let you into the country. And so he was basically telling us that we needed to get on the next flight back to Japan and that we couldn't enter the country. And it was at this point, it was like three in the morning. And my friend and I were just pleading and begging. And the sky was just not budging. And we're just sitting there with the only people in the airport just begging to go into the country. And we said, you know, we have a place to stay. Um, We gave him the screenshot of the communication we had with our Airbnb hosts. And he just was not having it. So finally, this lady, she took pity on us. And uh, she agreed to go outside and find the driver that was going to take us to our Airbnb. 
And he was able to tell her exactly where we're going and then relayed that information to the immigration officer. And finally, he stamped us through and let us go. But uh, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna forget that when the guy told us to go back to Japan because we couldn't, we couldn't enter Palau. <laughs> One airport story I will never forget. So finally, you got to your host. We did, yeah, and it was about three in the morning. <laughs> oh, three in the morning. So how was yeah. your experience with Airbnb there? It was really good, actually. You know, Palau is a very expensive country, mm-hmm. so uh, using Airbnb was a really great way to. Um, visit the country on a budget. Uh, so I would absolutely recommend it for anyone going to that to Palau for sure. So uh, okay, so did you inform? Like, did you call your Airbnb host and and like told her or him that you're gonna come at three a.m. in the morning? Well, so we were supposed to get in at about like twelve thirty to one. Okay. Um, and so they did know that, and they had the driver there waiting for us. And I felt bad for the driver because he was waiting outside the airport for a really long time while we were dealing with the situation. But the problem is that once we got to Palau, we didn't have internet or Wi-Fi or anything like that. Um, so we couldn't actually retrieve their phone numbers. Oh. Uh, and so it made communication very difficult. So that was, that was a little bit difficult and a little bit frustrating. And that's also why it took us so long to get through uh, the border control. But yeah, so I guess uh, a tip for, for people going to Palau or I guess going to any foreign country is make sure you have your hotel information written down or if you don't have that, at least give the phone number of the place you're staying at so that you don't have trouble getting into the country. Okay, so those were some amazing stories, Erica. So do you have any last message for our listeners? Any tip that you would like to give? Uh, yeah, so I guess my the main thing I just want to leave everybody with is And the idea of not being afraid to step out of your comfort zone and to visit those off-the-beaten-path places that maybe not a lot of other people go to. You know, I think all of us have this idea that we want to, you know, take a picture in front of the Eiffel Tower or visit the Coliseum, and that's fantastic, and you should absolutely do that. But don't don't forget about those lesser-known destinations because they also contain pretty amazing stories, and they also you know, can really be surprising. I mean, in all my travels, when I look back, some of the most memorable places I've been to were like the Wadis of Oman, which were these big rock canyons with these beautiful turquoise pools. And I remember being uh, like the only traveler there with my friends. And it was just such an incredible experience to have this place to ourselves, you know, this place that not many people visit. Or like in... Um, Southern Africa and Zimbabwe. Uh, we went to the Great Zimbabwe Ruins, which are like the biggest archaeological site in sub-Saharan Africa. And we're just looking out over these ruins, and there was nobody there that was from out of Zim- outside of Zimbabwe, and and let alone from across the world like we were. So it was just going to these places that not a lot of people have traveled to or written about um, can be just as special as getting that selfie, you know, in front of the Leaning Tower of Pisa in the streets of London. Um, it's, you know, you can get really authentic and immersive experiences there when you seek out these new places and kind of create your own stories. And I think a lot of times you'll be really surprised at what you find. Well, now that's amazing. Stepping out of comfort zone it is. Well, that was a very beautiful message to end this with. So thank you, Erika. Thank you so much for being on Check and Story Podcast. It was such fun talking to you. Thank you, Shruti, for having me. I really enjoyed it and I really... I look forward to seeing your other stories. I've I've gone through and I've listened to so many of your interviews and I find them so so interesting and so entertaining. So I really look forward to 
to listen to more of your podcasts in the future as well. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Shruti. It was a pleasure talking to you, and hopefully I'll see you at TVAC soon. Yes, if you're coming this October. Uh, I don't know if I'll make it, but maybe last minute. We'll see. (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, now that was fun. Let us know what you think about this episode in the comment section below. And you can also talk to us via Chuck and Study Bot on Facebook. And if you want to know more about Erica and her travel tales, do follow her on Twitter, Instagram, and also check out her blog. I'll put the links in the podcast notes below. Well, that was it. So this is Shruti signing off. See you in the next episode. Till then, keep traveling, travel safe. And don't think much. Just pack that bag and set out. And keep listening to our podcast. Because there is loads of amazing stuff lined up for you guys. So do not forget to subscribe to our channel on SoundCloud.